The Writer Files, a member of the Podglomerate Network. Greetings, scribes. I have got some exciting news to share. The Writer Files now has an exclusive Patreon community where subscribers will get exclusive access to uncut ad-free interviews, a writer's happy hour, bonus breakdowns, and content from productivity and publishing experts each month. In the meantime, just head over to patreon.com slash the writer files. It's free to join Patreon to get a preview and you can upgrade anytime. That's patreon.com slash the writer files. Help us start something special. This episode is brought to you by FX's The Veil, starring Elizabeth Moss. FX's The Veil is an international spy thriller that follows two women as they play a deadly game of truth and lies on the road from Istanbul to Paris and London. One woman has a secret and the other has a mission to reveal it before thousands of lives are lost. FX's The Veil, now streaming only on Hulu. This is Rainmaker FM, a digital marketing podcast network. It's built on the Rainmaker platform which empowers you to build your own digital marketing and sales platform. Start your free 14-day trial at rainmakerplatform.com. These are the Writer Files, a tour of the habits, habitats, and brains of working writers. From online content creators to fictionists, journalists, entrepreneurs, and beyond. I'm your host, Kelton Reed, writer, podcaster, and mediaphile. And each week, we'll find out how great writers keep the ink flowing, the cursor moving, and avoid writer's block. Author and Fast Company editor Joe Berkowitz stopped by the podcast this week. His latest, a humor book titled, You Blew It, an awkward look at the many ways in which you've already ruined your life, lands this October. And he took a break from his busy schedule to rap with me about how he survives the harried life of a big city journalist. In addition to his work for Fast Company, Joe's writing has been featured in The All, Salon, The Village Voice, Vulture, Rolling Stone, GQ, and McSweeney's Internet Tendency, among many others. For a writer who works with breakneck deadlines and almost never gets a rest from the writing life, he has some pretty solid advice for keeping the cursor moving. Join us for this two-part interview. In part two of The File, Joe Berkowitz and I discuss how creativity makes the familiar strange and the strange familiar, why your audience is your best creative motivation, how great writers hook you and never let go, the reassuring existence of paper book collections, Joe's reverence for David Foster Wallace's infinite jest, and why you should edit until the words stop moving on the page. If you missed the first half of this interview, you can find it over at writerfiles.fm, and I'll link to it in the show notes. Thanks for listening. Well, I'd love to talk to you um, some about your creativity um, and creative habits. Do, do you think you could define creativity in your own words? Well, it's kind of tough. Um, I think it's, it's about uh, looking at things from different perspectives and in general, not being boring, but at the same time, I guess there are, there are uh, boring things that are very creative, I, I suppose. But, uh, but yeah, that's, that's basically it is, um, some of my, 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 my favorite, most interesting things are usually things where someone has found a way to look at something 
that you uh, ordinarily wouldn't. Uh, making the familiar strange, making the strange familiar, that sort of thing. So I, I think that's a lot of that is uh, a, a huge part of creativity. Yeah, I like that. So when do you personally feel most creative? Again, it's tough uh, to say because there are those, those weird 4 a.m. moments where just suddenly out of desperation or whatever, I'll, I'll just realize I'm in the zone right now somehow. <laughs> Otherwise, uh, yeah, like I was saying, uh, mid-afternoon usually, I, I just feel really dynamic when it's early in the day and I'm getting stuff done. And I think somehow uh, maybe I can like maybe convince myself it, what I'm doing is better than it is just because I'll, I'll be in a good mood because it's coming out. And that's not a bad thing. It's really not a bad thing to be have confidence, even if later on you realize it was maybe a bit of false confidence. Sometimes I'll just feel like I'm on a roll and it'll be coming out really uh, strong. And, you know, later on I'll have to edit it like crazy. But, uh, but yeah, if, if I, I, I might have come up with some, something, even if, you know, uh, 40% of it or more gets edited out later, you know, I may have not have come up with that if I didn't have that, that weird moment of confidence. Do you think that you have a creative muse? Um, hmm. Do you mean like uh, like something that inspires me to come up with stuff, or is something I sort of need to have around me when I'm uh, when I'm already working? <laughs> I don't know. I mean, uh, it could be either. It could it could be anything. <laughs> you know, I, I know you're not supposed to have uh, external validation. Isn't supposed to be your motivator. But I do think a lot about how uh, the stuff I write is going to hit other people. And, yeah, I, I, I do sometimes let that uh, shape things. And it's, I think every now and then maybe it's, uh, it's, it's worked to a bad effect. But I think sometimes it's been uh, pretty great if I've had a specific audience in mind and I found uh, a little bit of ways uh, to cater to them without really changing up what I think makes my writing mine, then I think that's been a, a good thing and, uh, overall. Yeah. So you probably are rubbing elbows with a lot of writers uh, where you are. I think you're in New York City. Mm -hmm. And um, what do you think makes a writer truly great? Well, I guess it depends on what their, their specialty is, you know, because the thing that makes, uh, you know, uh, some literary powerhouse uh, great isn't the same thing that's going to make, you know, uh, great pop culture writing great. So I just think the things that um, I guess it's kind of a cop out answer, but uh, but, you know, when something makes you uh, want to read the whole thing, whether it's an article I, yeah, I guess when the article in one session or if it's a book without, you know, even the temptation to skim or just the immediacy of wanting to do it. I'll, like I said, I'll, I only read books on the subway really now. That's just sort of how it's shaken out lately. <laughs> but uh, sometimes I'll have a book with me and I hesitate to, to bring it out. I'm like, OK, you know, I got my book. I want to get through it. So I can get to the next book. All right, I guess I'll read. And then there's other times where I'm like, give me that book. You know, I got, I got to get to it. And I don't 
I can't say what the quality is, but just, I don't know, maybe it has something to do with just uh, feeling cared for as in, as a reader that someone like has, like has uh, your um, both like wanting to entertain you and uh, inform you and just with the reading experience in mind. You know, I think sometimes uh, some writers just, you know, got to get the idea out there and then uh, thinks less about, um, I don't know, maybe there's like, uh, you know, there's user, user experience is a big thing in, in, com in computers or, or in software. And so, I don't know, maybe there's, there's something to uh, writers um, trying to apply those kind of techniques to their writing. I don't know. I think I'm talking out of my butt right now. <laughs> I was following you. So do you have any favorite authors right now? Um, lately, let's see. Uh, ones I've been uh, into recently, I've been loving David Graham. Uh, I've been loving reading him in New York, New Yorker for years, but I only just recently uh, read The Lost City of Z, and it was so compelling and great and uh, yeah, that, that was, you know, the, the immediacy was there and it was just it was so readable for having, being so dense with information too. Hmm. Uh, I, I, I like William Finnegan a lot that, um, his, his book about surfing was the most profound book about surfing that there probably will ever be. I think the, I read, uh, Chimamanda, Nagazi Adishi's, ah, God, I probably totally mispronounced her name. Uh, I read her book um, recently, and I, I, I loved it, and uh, I bought it on a whim for a, a flight, and I, 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 like, ripped through half of it on the flight and was just really impressed with it. Um, Peter Biskin, I've only just sort of uh, gotten onto, but is, you know, Hollywood Histories. Oh yeah, are so so interesting to me, and I can't believe it took this long to read them. And I read uh, Mallory Ortberg of the for the of the Toast. She's just really funny, and uh, I'm insanely jealous of how uh, seemingly effortlessly these brilliant, funny uh, nuggets just seem to drop out of her, her brain every day. <laughs> just a quick pause to mention that the Writer Files is brought to you by the Rainmaker platform the complete website solution for content marketers and online entrepreneurs. Find out more and take a free 14-day test drive at rainmaker.fm slash platform. Are you a paper or ebook guy? Well, uh, let's see, for let's see, articles, increasingly more e, but uh, for books, I don't have a Kindle or uh, a nook or anything like that just yet. Um, I, I think one day I might just, nothing else for the ease of travel or because that's just the way it's gonna go. <laughs> yeah. But, but I've, I've become less staunch about it over the years. I mean, at first I was just intensely anti-ebooks and um, I remember at first, yeah, my, my, my one talking point, which I hung on to for so long was just that like, you know, I don't want to, I, I want to turn a page. I don't want to scroll. And, 
Then I noticed that, you know, on the Kindle, when you press a button, it has an effect that makes it look like a page has been turned. <laughs> and I was like, oh, touche technology. <laughs> and uh, so, yeah, since then, I've, you know, I've been, uh, I don't really have a good talking point. So now it's just mainly like, I don't know, not wanting to, to, to admit that, you know, that that's where the way we're going in society, I guess. Yeah. So I've just, I, I do enjoy the tactile feel of the book. I like looking at the cover. When you see the cover, it just sort of, you know, it, uh, I don't know, it just, just gives you a feeling about the book, especially if you're enjoying it. And I like having books on the shelf. I like, uh, and I like having books on other people's shelves and looking at them and, you know, being able to walk in a house and having that conversation and seeing stuff on the subway and all that. So, uh, yeah, yeah I haven't got a Kindle yet, but I'm not as against it as I used to be. And just a quick aside to revisit the exclusive Writer Files Patreon community where subscribers get access to uncut ad-free interviews, a writer's happy hour, bonus breakdowns, and a lot more. I know that for serious writers, it can be more distracting than ever to cut through the noise, stay productive, and home in on what's happening in the publishing industry. Over eight years, we've provided a looking glass into the habits of professional writers and publishing industry insiders. And as your humble host, I've decided to launch a membership-based Patreon for serious scribes to cut through the noise, swap tips and tricks, and hang out with like-minded peers. Just head over to patreon.com slash thewriterfiles for bonus writing resources, monthly episode breakdowns, writer's happy hour, a community of your peers, ad-free episodes, and more. It's free to join to get a preview, and you can upgrade anytime. That's patreon.com slash thewriterfiles. Help us start something cool and special. Keep calm and right on. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Yeah, it's kind of when you look at somebody's um, bookshelf, it's kind of like looking at a at a large piece of art or abstract. You know, you yeah. can kind of make you can draw your own conclusions about who they are, what what they've been through in their lives by what's on that bookshelf. Totally, and it's different than like if you looked at somebody's iPod or something like that, or iPod. I mean, <laughs> we have iPods anymore, but uh, yeah, you know, because there was a certain point where. I guess you could have made the comparison that like looking at someone's record crates or, you know, that was, I guess that was before my time, but like, you know, or their CD collection at one point that would have told you something similar, but you know, with the ease that, which like, I don't think book piracy is anything like music piracy I, that I know of, at least I'm sure there is some book piracy, but nowhere near with music. So between that and just the ease of downloading or something, People, I, I think, will have just a ton of music that they acquired like on a whim that day in just tons. But when people have a book on their shelves usually or they have 10 books by one author, it means something else. It's usually a deeper connection and it's usually an int more interesting thing to talk about. There's bigger story behind it than like, like oh yeah, I like, heard of this group last week and I downloaded all 10 of their albums. You know, which <laughs> That's usually like what happens with music. Yeah. Yeah. And you listen to it once and then 
feel, you you forget that it's buried in that in that yeah, massive. Yeah, there is there's so many things that are like, oh, this is the best thing ever today, and then <laughs> and then sort of just gone. Well, let's talk a little. We'll do a couple fun ones. And we'll come back to the quote question. Um, do you have a favorite literary character? I was thinking about this, and uh, you know, it's becoming increasingly uh, more embarrassing or less cool to be as into Infinite Jest as I am. Uh, it's <laughs> like, yeah, um, I'm not an OG fan. You know, I wasn't like into it in 1996. I think I, I read it for the first time in 2003. But yeah, so it was like sort of instantly became my favorite book and nothing's really surpassed it in my mind. And but now I feel more embarrassed to talk about it, especially right at this moment as uh, end of the tour. That movie just came out. Yeah. So, but uh, but yeah, uh, I think uh, Hal in Candenza from that uh, book, maybe my favorite character, uh, just because he's so interesting to follow around in his head the whole time. And then. David Foster Wallace writes this one chapter or like from a, it's a flashback to a dinner table scene and you're, it's in like an omniscient view. And so this character whose head you're in through a lot of the book, you're just seeing him as another person and he's a little ass and he's the worst. And, but it's not that much different than I mean, it's it's maybe a little bit different because he's supposed to be younger, but it's not that different. And so I think that's really interesting. One of my favorite short stories of all time is this one by uh, Joshua Ferris called The Dinner Party. And um, I don't want to give away the whole thing, but there's this – actually, screw it. I'll, I'll give away the whole thing <laughs> by now, whatever. There's this dinner party – or. Uh, it's two couples are supposed to be getting together. This guy is kind of really sarcastically talking about like, Oh God, I guess they're coming over. All right. I guess we'll have this dinner party. Fine. And then the, the other couple never comes over. And then, uh, they think it's weird and they're like, all right, I wonder why they didn't come over. Uh, eventually the, uh, the husband, he goes out to that couple's house to like check on them. This is much later in the night. And he sees there's this huge party going on at their place. <laughs> and then he uh, finally finds the hostess and she's surprised to see him. And she's like, uh, David or whatever his name is. I totally forget. It's been a while. But she's like, David, I didn't think you'd be here. And uh, anyway, the, the point is, it turns out they hate him. They think that his uh, wife was this really interesting person and then met him. And he is kind of a sarcastic guy who is really annoying uh, in large doses. And they just couldn't do it anymore. Didn't even feel like camp. They just didn't bother going to this dinner to their dinner party. And I thought that that perspective shift was amazing to me in sort of the same way that was in infinite jest, just the idea because you're in your head all day and you're walking around. I'm right. I'm a good guy. That's what's in your head all day. And maybe there's a chance you're wrong. I struggle with that all the time. So, uh, I find that really interesting when I, when I've discovered that, uh, authors, are aware of that too, and they put it into better words than I may ever be able to come up with. Wow, it's kind of meta, or mm -hmm. is it? Or is it? <laughs> or, or is it? <laughs> you on a on a podcast talking about writing, 
and uh, the story within the story. Yep. Well, um, if you could choose any author um, from any era for an all-expense-paid dinner to anywhere, who would you choose? Um, you can choose more than one. I've had I've had this happen to me. Um, and where would you go? I this is uh, another really uh, standard. I'm thinking answer, but it's just the first thing that occurred to me. And, and then I thought about it for a second. I was like, yeah, you know, something else might occur to me later, but uh, I was just thinking, you know, it would probably be fun to maybe like, uh, tie one on with, uh, F Scott Fitzgerald in Paris at some point. <laughs> yeah. Maybe Hemingway's around over there too. Maybe he goes to the bathroom, piss drunk, and you can like make fun of him for a little bit with F Scott Fitzgerald. I don't know. That just seems like a fun deal. And, uh, I think I'm probably going to think of something better later on tonight and kick myself. But yeah, that was what occurred to me. I'm sure you've heard almost that exact same answer before. I'm not sure I have, but um, it's a good one. So if anyone else uses it, I'll credit you. All right. Um, do, do you have any writer's fetishes? Um, I know we kind of covered the muse and, and that perspective. But do you have any, any like uh, collections or weird artifacts? Um, not really. I've been trying to, it, it's weird. Like we were saying, you know, like about, uh, digital books, it's probably going to go that way for us all one day. And with the, and with that in mind, I've been trying to cultivate the perfect collection of book. I guess that's my only, uh, writing or readerly fetish is just sort of an ongoing process to, to weed out which books I don't want. And it becomes like every time I move, it becomes more and more like, you know, like the game survivor, you know, or, or the, yeah, I'm just seeing how attached do I have to be to not get rid of a book? Cause you know, ideally I'd be able to keep every book I've ever bought or had come across the transom, right. but I can't, you know, I'm going to be moving. These things are heavy. I don't have enough space. So some of them have to go and I like the idea that one day I could possibly just have the perfect collection. And I think that the criteria is I have to either know I'm definitely going to read this again, which is, you know, rarer these days, or I, I want to lend this to someone. I, I'm going to, I know I'm going to come across one of my friends one day who's going to come over and I'm going to be, I'm going to realize, Oh yeah, you have to read this. <laughs> I'm a maven that way. I guess I just really love uh, recommending things to people. I wrote something once for McSweeney's. The one time I got published in McSweeney's was called Let's Listen to My Favorite Song Together. <laughs> and it was just sort of a parody of myself because I love recommending things to people. But I bet I'm kind of a creep about it because I think part of it is I want to be validated for my own taste. So I want to have the moment where they go, you're right. This is great. Not only do you know music or movies or books really well, but you know me well and you knew I would like this. So I guess it's something selfish, but <laughs> not completely because I really do like, you know, I, I do want to, to give someone their new favorite thing. It's uh, I don't know why I thought of the the scene in High Fidelity where John Cusack's character is going through his record collection after a breakup and and um, it's kind of how. 
I feel when I move too with the, with the book mm-hmm. collection, like what's going to go, what's going to stay. How, I have three copies of this, but it's one I'm going to give to somebody. Mm-hmm. Um, it's kind of funny. Yeah. There's so many decisions. <laughs> so who or what would you say has been your greatest uh, teacher? Uh, well, that's kind of an easy one I'd say. And uh, it's, it's failure and it's rejection because there's um, nothing that can, you know, teach you more about yourself than how you respond to that. There's, you know, in the moment of like, you know, uh, pitching or submitting stuff, it, it, there's, you know, knowing when to send it on to someone else, you know, when to give up and realize, okay, this wasn't one of my best ideas. I, I, I guess I'm not going to do this. Or there, and there's, you know, times when uh, you think that they're wrong. Whoever rejected you, they were definitely wrong. This is a good idea, and I'm going to prove it. And then doing that, you can learn so much about yourself that way and about writing too, obviously. Um, yeah, in, in trying to figure out, you know, well, this didn't work before. What will work? You know, I've had uh, when publications have turned me down, I've become obsessed with like, okay, just what's it going to take to get in there? And um, yeah, and it, it could be like a huge motivator and uh, a big, you know, teaching thing because you'll you'll try new things that you might not have in order to to try to uh, get up to snuff. Yeah. So do you have any uh, advice to your fellow scribes on how to keep the ink flowing and the cursor moving? Well, just remember about how, uh, God, I feel like for the most part, I'm always spouting out the most cliche stuff that I've heard before a bunch of times, but it's really true about how much of it is in the rewriting and feel like everybody forgets that sometimes and you sit there and you try to like come up with the perfect sentence especially with the opening i'll like sit there at the very beginning of a thing and just be thinking like what's the killer way that's going to crack this off you know what's going to get this started and you know like some of the my best opening lines have been the last thing i thought of hmm. and, and it's so it's true it's just less importance on um having this come out perfect right now, but just, just getting it, getting it done. I mean, uh, not getting it done altogether, like, you know, rush your, your piece as a whole, but at least getting the first draft done. Cause I think a lot of people never even get done with a, with a, a first draft of something that might've been, been great because I don't know, because they had to like push themselves or because they just, you know, too many, too many times of sitting down and feeling uninspired. But I think when you feel uninspired, you just really have to just, just, just do it and just accept if it, if it's, if it's coming out bad that day and that was the day it was coming out bad. And then in the rewriting, maybe you'll find, you'll crack the code that'll be better. Or maybe you'll realize that that part had to be deleted. And it was being, it was difficult getting that part out because that was ultimately not the best part and you'll move on to something that's better. But yeah, it's just, uh, for me, it's just really as simple as just, you know, just forcing yourself to do it and trusting that you'll be able to, to fix it later. And 
sometimes rewriting for me is just reading what I've written over and over again and trying to, to, to force it in my head to be good. Be like, yeah. But you feel like you're basically just, just looking at the computer and being like, be better. But then, you know, other times you can, I'll look at something and just that, that bit of time, that bit of distance to the moment when you write it, you'll, you'll, you'll think of the secret ingredient or the garnish or whatever to make it better. And, uh, I think that's what's to it. Um, there's probably a better answer for when it comes to, to, to fiction, you know, either a short story or a novel, but, uh, you know, in terms of, you know, the kind of things I write, which are either personal essays or, um, interview based, uh, I wouldn't really, you know, they're not like really long form profiles or anything like that, but, um, you know, interview based, uh, pieces, you know, that, I, it just, getting it done and then trusting in the rewriting. Yeah. Well, I, I agree. I mean, I think that the writing is rewriting credo is it stands up in all the genres. Um, and I know that, uh, my writing professor, actually great, great short story author named Lucia Berlin, um, used to say that you should edit until the, words stop moving on the page whatever that means to you but it sounds like you kind of have the same mindset when you're when you're doing your stuff yeah i i I agree with that in full i um you know like i was saying earlier i have this long awaited thing that uh you know i've been working on a long time that's coming out either this week or next week and um just you know it was getting to the point where I was sort of uh, waiting for the illustrator to be done and I wouldn't look at it for a week at a time for this thing I wrote and it was really satisfying uh, opening it up after I hadn't looked at it in a week and realizing I barely wanted to change anything. Yeah. Like there was, I would see maybe that could be slightly better, but if there was a point where I was like, okay, if this was in cement forever, then I'd be happy with it. And that's the best feeling, like not wanting to move any of the words around. Absolutely. So, um, congratulations on your upcoming book. It's got a hilarious title. Uh, you blew it an awkward look at the many ways in which you've already ruined your life. And, uh, I can't wait to get my hands on it. Um, it's coming out in October. Is that right? From penguin? Yeah, it's, uh, on October 6th, there is going to be a book, book party at the powerhouse uh, arena in Dumbo for anyone who is near Brooklyn. That's uh, October 13th. And yeah, I'm uh, excited slash nervous. That's awesome. And the co-author um, is actually a, is a comedy writer or humorist and works yeah. for uh, television. Is that right? That's right. Uh, Josh Gondelman. He's a stand-up comic, uh, a really good one. And he also, he's a writer for uh, Last Week Tonight, the John Oliver show. They uh, just won an Emmy. Well, that's fantastic. C- congratulations on that. Um, it's it's interesting because with all of your uh, kind of work in social commentary, humor, and satire, entertainment, um, it seems like you've interviewed a lot of folks in the kind of entertainment industry. Do you have any aspirations to do screenwriting or television stuff? Uh, I would love to, but so far it's something I've psyched myself out of where I just, I don't know, I'll, I'll hear great dialogue in a movie and 
there's a voice in my head immediately that, you know, you can never write dialogue like that. Mm-hmm. You don't know how people talk. And it's, um, it's something I think I have to overcome. I have to just give it a, give it a real shot. I've, you know, I've made, uh, slight attempts before I've had ideas where I walked around and talked about this idea I have for a while, which is just poison. You really shouldn't do that. <laughs> uh, so I've done that before and I, you know, I've sat down and like maybe like taken the, uh, attempts to outline something, but I've never really given it my full. And I, I, I think it's something I have to do one day just to at least give it a shot and try not to think about, uh, all the new aspiring screenwriters <laughs> are born every single day. <laughs> um, but yeah, I, you know, I have a couple ideas and I, I do hope to try them out sometime. Well, that's, that's fun. And thank you so much for taking time out of your busy schedule. I know it seems like we wrapped, um, for quite a while, but, uh, I really appreciate you taking the time to talk with me. Uh, where can, uh, fellow writers connect with you out there online? Well, let's see. Uh, my, my Twitter is my name, uh, Joe Berkowitz, J-O-E-B-E-R-K-O-W-I-T-Z. And let's see, I have a, a Tumblr I mentioned earlier. It's uh, anfscu.tumblr.com. I don't know why it is that. I called it. And now <laughs> for something completely unnecessary. Uh-oh. 2009 and just sort of stuck with it. It's like one of my very first email address is joeburk2001 at hotmail.com, which I made in 1999 when 2001 was the far off future. And I kept that for about, I don't know, 10, 11 years until people started making fun of me for having a Hotmail account. Yeah. Yep. So like, I guess just uh, my, my, my Twitter handle and there's my, my Tumblr. Awesome. Well, I'll connect um, up with those in the show notes so that uh, readers can also uh, hit you up over there. All right, Joe. Well, thanks. Thanks again, man. Thanks for having me, Kelton. This was fun. Cheers and best of luck with the book. All right. Thanks a lot. Take care. If you enjoy the writer files podcast, please subscribe to the show and leave us a rating or a review to help other writers find us. Thanks for joining us for the second half of this tour through the writer's process. For more episodes of the writer files or to leave us a comment or a question, just drop by writerfiles.fm. And you can always chat with me on Twitter at Calton Reed. Cheers. Talk to you next week.